0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Speaking of Green. I am your hostess, Beth Bond, Curator of Sustainable News at Southeast Green. And I am very excited about this morning's conversation. I know I'm always excited, but this is a conversation I didn't think I would ever have. And um, I'm very honored to have Reverend Lennox Yearwood, Jr., President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus, who is a minister, community activist, and one of the most influential people in hip hop political life. He works tirelessly to encourage the hip-hop generation to utilize its political and social voice. A national leader and and peacemaker with the Green Movement, Reverend Yearwood has been successfully bridging the gap between communities of color and environmental issue advocacy for the past decade. With a diverse set of celebrity allies, Reverend Yearwood raises awareness and action in communities that are often overlooked by traditional campaigns, environmental campaigns. So uh, there's a longer bio on uh, the show notes, so please feel free to read that. We are really honored to have Reverend Yearwood with us. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So hip-hop and environmental justice are not normally, I would think, something that people put together. How did this happen?
0: You know, it's interesting. I think that it's it's um, it's hip-hop and environmental have always kind of gone together, actually. Um, And I think that's one of the things we need to look at why um, people don't put them together. I think in the beginnings of of hip-hop culture, which started in the Bronx, um, many people were there fighting against um, the injustice of, one, uh, them putting a highway through and then kind of redlining the community. Um, them kind of being left to the side of the New York uh, economy. But even more importantly, we're dealing at that time in regards to lead poisoning and the environmental concerns that were happening, putting land sales in the community and other things that were affecting air quality. So off to that, I think that many people were dealing with environmental injustice um, back then. And that has always been not only for the hip hop community, but clearly, for communities of color, leading back to Warren County in North Carolina um, and leading up to so many who have been the stalwarts um, of that movement. I think that, I think there's been a shift, though, that um, the environmental justice movement and the larger environmental movement begin to diverge, and uh, particularly around, I think, the 80s and possibly the 90s. And I think there's a kind of coming back I think we see that now what's happening around the, around this country um, in regards to issues of Flint, um, other issues of just uh, superstorms and hurricanes from Sandy to Katrina, but even now dealing with um, the Native American population with um, Standing Rock and outside in Keystone, XL pipeline fight. So I think that there's now a kind of coming back uh, to looking at the environment and how it affects people and just nature. And so I think with that kind of convergence, we're beginning to see how um, how these two things work together. But there's been a long history of particularly oppressed people and people in stress situations talking about the environment and talking about how particularly governments um, sometimes think that these communities are the path of least resistance, and because of that, do things, putting landfills, putting profile power blue war. Uh, dog, uh, food, coffee, anything with toxins in these communities with no regard for their health and their, their wellness.
1: Right. Well, and I, I'm just going to touch really quickly back to the original um, reason the Bronx and the hip-hop community re- revived, because a lot of times people don't realize that communities of color are environmentally targeted, whether it's putting the highway, that we have, we, you know, the the... In Atlanta, the highway went right through the historic Sweet Auburn neighborhood from Dr. King, and they actually credit that that division of the neighborhood as one of the things that caused its demise in the 70s and 80s. Um, exactly. But also, you know, power plants and manufacturing and, and chemical plants. And I don't think a lot of people are realized how people are targeted that way. When I tell people that, and I'm sure you have the same experience, they're just sort of like. Really, and I'm like, yeah, really, intentionally targeted. Yeah. So I really honor that.
0: Yeah, no, I just, I had the same reaction, but I think that's the that's the problem. I think that different cultures, different backgrounds don't don't see that, or even sometimes believe that. And you know, I have lived in different places. I've lived in places where it's I guess you would consider the hood of the hood, um, and I lived in places where it's been the good of the good. And uh, in both places, you can see the difference. I mean, so I can understand somebody from a certain community not recognizing how communities can be targeted, how they can be uh, uh, put in position where highways are put through chemical plants, profile power plants, uh, refineries, all these things um, are put um, in those communities. And people say, well, why don't they do anything about it? That's a so that's a much deeper conversation um, that we have time to talk about. But the bottom line is because I think that these companies sometimes feel they can do it. And that's why the culture the music comes out. And this is the connection. Like the hip-hop or any kind of of any kind of blues or R&B, then a lot of times those who are the culture makers then begin to talk about and think about these things in their lyrics about the pollutants and about things that are happening. And that kind of becomes almost like they're seeing it. And which they're talking about it or rapping about it or singing about it in that process, um, the community is listening. And then we do that today. We, we, we keep that tradition of the oral voice, um, of literally using music and culture and, and, and speech and all those things as a mechanism of telling the story, not just through white papers or, um, or through uh, uh, symposiums but we also do it in a way in which the culture can understand. So we're using one's cultural expression to shape one's political experience which has been done forever, but we're doing it now in a way in which particularly young people, but all people, can definitely be engaged and informed about what they need to do to fight against this injustice of putting a highway right next to a community which is going to cause pollution or putting a coal-fired power plant or getting rid of those things. Or figure out ways that can make sure they have um, um, better health and uh, uh, and wellness. And we know this because we can look at people's zip codes today. And now the uh, University of Minnesota did a study where we can look at someone's zip code and you can see which by their zip code the kind of air quality they're breathing. Um, and that's just an important factor today as well.
1: Well, I'm really excited. I I I have to tell you, I'm not a hip-hop aficionado, but I did go through the website in preparation, and I'm really impressed with some of the – look, I don't know most of the folks on there, I'll be honest, but the ones that I did recognize I was really, really impressed with because I think it's so cool that we're using art to communicate the message, right, and I think that 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 is a brilliant way for people to get on board. You know, talking about scientific white papers, you are absolutely spot on, most people, including myself – you know, who's the official tweeter of the green community in the southeast, you know, sort of my <laughs> eyes roll back in my head. But, like, getting down with the beat, I'm, I'm there with you. Well, one of the things we wanted to talk about with, and, and, and ironically when we started talking about it, we were in a completely different position, but we get sort of celebrate a success today, is the North Dakota pipeline. Tell us, tell us about how you all been involved in that and, and based on what happened on Sunday, where you think is, you know, we're going to go on that issue.
0: Yeah, of course, that was an amazing uh, victory. Um, you know, definitely want to thank uh, uh, the Army Corps of Engineers um, for denying um, the, the easement um, for these words, the pipeline going underneath the Missouri River, um, and so that stopping that this junction was a was a great victory um, for the Standing Rock. Uh, people and the, the Sioux Lakota people, uh, who are beautiful people, and um, that fight for them started in April. But what's important, I just want to get step back. That that fight really was them seeing another fight. They saw the battle of with the Keystone XL pipeline. And even though the Keystone XL pipeline was built on the southern leg, the northern leg was denied by the State Department, uh, which was a victory that we had and enjoyed together. Many, again, many people who were from the Native communities, both um, in Canada, that's where it would originate, in the tar sands, um, to the Native community who was here in North Dakota, South Dakota, and throughout that region, as well as farmers um, and ranchers, um, homeowners, um, sewage activist Julian Bond. um, um, He was involved in this before before he passed away, arrested for this issue. Um, climate groups, environmental groups. And so I think that that was the beginning of showing what a unified uh, climate movement can look like, not just one sector, but it began to show that if we come together, truly the people united cannot be defeated. And so I think that's what began this idea that we can continue that. So around April um, of this year, um, young people came together, and they literally went to the, the area, which would then become, the Standing Rock uh camp area. Uh, and they they sat down uh in essence and but they began to reach out to the same allies, some of the some celebrities, other uh other nations, uh, First Nations around the across the country and other big green groups. And they just were there and they began to pick up steam and people began to join them. Um and at first it firstly was, you know, uh, I'm sure that the, the Dakota Access Pipeline um people, uh Angry Transfer were not taking them seriously. But as the camp grew, it went from like about 50 people to 100, to, two, to, to 200, then 1,000, and then 2,000. And when I actually arrived, when the got involved, we got involved in, in August of this year to really begin. We have been watching it and supporting it through social media, but then we were like, when we met with them, we were like, no, we're, gonna, we're, we're with you 100%. And so we were there in August and then began to join them on the ground. Um, and support them. Anywhere we could add other artists and, uh, and other celebrities to the fold to spread the word, um, and then uh, it just continued to grow. And then, as you know, it became a little bit more tense, Um as the camp then grew to like ten thousand people. It actually, became one of the the camp site became like one of the six largest cities in North Dakota. It um, grew, and there's no there's no running water there. There's no bathroom. This people were camping out. And then you now I have 10,000 people at its, at, at the event, as of this past uh, uh, Sunday uh, before the announcement, um, it was, uh, uh, the camp had grouped about 15,000 people. So this is, oh so God. I don't know. How, yeah. So this is people who are out there. And, uh, so the bottom line to that, what is such a powerful, how they approach this was a little different. So I think that many people who are in the moment, that's bestest movement can't take solace in that. They had been saying forever that let's look at this issue, how it affects people first, and then if we can connect the, the, the humanity of this, then we can begin to talk about the, the long-term effects of what happens um, in regards to climate change. And so they did that. So while the slogans for many people in the movement have been are great, they've been act on climate, for on climate, very important, nothing wrong with those, those slogans, but the slogan um, for those understanding what was "Many would have which is water is life. And so I think that their approach to this was a little different for the environmental movement, um, but they, they, they got on board and said, listen, this affects literally how we live. And, and yes, the, 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 the great snakes, they call the pipeline, how that will affect us down the road will have a huge impact. Um, and we had to stop the great snake, as they called it, the pipelines. But right now we have to stop this because they literally understood that one. What we mentioned earlier, that path of least resistance, that this pipeline was originally to go, to go through Bismarck, was about 90 percent white, and was rerouted because people in Bismarck said so it, was, it was too dangerous, and it was rerouted through the Standing Black Reservation. And so they say, well, well, we don't want it. And so that led to this moment in which we were there with them um, on the ground, um, still there with them on the ground. are people who are actually trapped in the blizzard <laughs> now who can't leave, still there with them on the ground, supporting them with everything. We did a concert there um, that we had with um, uh, Vic Mensa and, and Taboo from Black Eyed Peas. We actually did an anthem. Uh, people can actually go to com. And they could actually see the the uh, the anthem there that Taboo or Black Eyed Peas did, uh, phenomenal so with Shailene Woodley, who was a great actress who led, led a lot of things. Who was there really took this under her wing from a Hollywood perspective. Her and others like Mark Ruffalo, and so who helped support uh, this kind of spread that information and news makers and and directors like Josh Fox and others were there as well. And so I think that what we what we saw was the convergence of our movement coming together. And truly what they have always said is that organized people be organized money every single time. And so we saw that. We saw people coming together, black, white, brown, yellow, red, male, female, Christian, -Christian, non-Christian, people coming together for all walks of life, literally with this banner of water is life. And this understanding that if you can do this to them, then you will definitely do it to us. And so I think that was a powerful. Now, um, you know, there's a new president coming on board who has actually investments um, in the Dakota Access Pipeline process. Um, Have a ton of interest there, I would believe. But there there are some things there that that he has and has already stated that he's going to. His first day is to put this back on track. Um, and so there's just a, a less of regard for humanity. So we have to be very vigilant coming forth to January twentieth of what that means. But another side piece to this was the divest the Dakota Access Pipeline which also was very powerful, which meant people were pulling their money out of banks. Um, the banks that were funding this project for Wells Fargo and T D Bank and Bank of America. People began to divest from those banks and we know that had a huge impact to the point where Wells Fargo actually called the uh the tribal council uh in instead of Iraq to set up a meeting because there was so many people were putting their money out of wells fargo um around uh this country um and and up in Canada, so they want to have a meeting to figure out what they can do to kind of – so we We know these things now have an impact, but there are many more pipelines that are that are still going up, and the the reality of this far movement is this is that. The hashtag that we say, keeping the ground, is real. Um, we have to have that mentality that we have to do everything we can to keep fossil fuels, um, coal, gas, oil in the ground. But more importantly, we have to make this process as expensive as possible so that they can begin to transition from fossil fuels to clean energy and begin to move toward renewable um, and so, this is a great way. The more that we can make these pipelines and any other mechanism of of moving um, this fossil fuels, uh, the better for our movement and clearly better for our planet.
1: Well, I am so encouraged, and I do think that uh, I do think this is going to come back. Unfortunately, given the new administration, and I'm 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 really pleased to hear because I don't think I heard this at all, and you know I wasn't covering it for southeast green but certainly paying attention to twitter the whole sort of money thing and i think that you know those of us who've been doing environmental work know that if we can if we can change the money situation um then we can really influence the program so if 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 this does come back, well, we will say a small prayer that this does not come back, but if this comes back, then I think it will be very important for us to talk about the investment side of it. One of the things that I find so frustrating, and I know you're also working on this at the Hip Hop Caucus, is, is this idea that, you know, the pipelines get approved with nothing, right? I mean, they go through like that. Right. You know, to get a solar array, you know, you have to have – I was going to say an act of Congress, but we know that won't happen. So, you know, almost an act of God, not to be, you know, flippant about my Savior, but, you know, to get solar through like it's some crazy proposal, and yet we're willing to dig up, you know, and 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 go across miles and miles and miles of nature to put in these pipelines with, with really little or no um, input. So you, y'all are also having the conversation about clean energy jobs with the Hip Hop Caucus. Tell us a little bit about that (laughs) work.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, 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 well, we feel that there's a way that we can fight both poverty and pollution at the same time, Um, that we can transition from fossil fuels to clean energy. And in that transition, which has to happen, there's there's no, there's no, if uh, we can't fight physics, Uh, physics is physics. So I didn't like physics that much in high school, Um, but, I understood it enough to know that it is what it is, and so we can't fight physics. But reality is, is that in that, we have to transition. And in doing that, building infrastructure, which was a buzzword during the election, uh, building infrastructure for our country, we can become a, a superpower in regards to clean energy. Um, and we can lead the way. Uh, and we have to lead the way. And so I think in, and in doing that, that would clearly – create a number of jobs building infrastructure and putting people who are now out of work in work because that would literally transition. Now yeah, there's a there's those few people at the top of the totem pole who have been making tons of money um um in, in the fossil fuel industry. Um but listen, they have to we have to change and, and change is good. And so I, even the Rockefellers um have divested <laughs> from fossil popul. Um, the ones who created Standard Oil, which then will become Sunoco and Exxon and others, but even they had a divestment. They said, listen, this, this is the wrong pathway. So I think that this is the way now that we can create many green jobs within many sectors, those who are in the technology side, um, those who are in the creation side of definitely um, creating from the, the wind turbines to the solar panels to other means of renewables to those who actually own to be entrepreneurs. I think for those people, people of color particularly, but also people who have not been entrepreneurs, this is an opportunity for them to be on the front side um, of the movement, to be able to be investors, and also even for homeowners, because we know now by having solar trackers and solar solar panels, that that actually will allow you to sometimes have money, or have power into the grid and have money going to your pocket. But one thing you said is very important, you talk about um, uh, regulation in essence that the one thing that we have to look at now for our movement is looking at these things demonstration without uh, legislation leads to frustration but also demonstration without litigation or regulation leads to frustration and I think that the regulation that has also allowed fossil fuels companies to be to create these pipelines without um, any kind of pushback The, the Kodak the would, have, would have had no problem They were just doing their thing They were going through the Federal Energy Reserve Commission FIRST They were going through the Army of Engineers They were going through all these mechanisms that they know of Quite well um, To move these things forward And we have to make that harder There has to be some health concerns um, And some environmental uh, Assessments made, that's one But on the flip side we're running solar um, and wind and other renewables, that you're so correct that we have to almost stop the regulations that have been put in place by a lot of those in the past few companies that make it very hard. And also look at the litigation being put against them to kind of, you know, in the courts that's been being used. And legislation. We saw in Florida recently, in, in your neck of the woods, how um, they would kind of even put things on the ballot that was confusing um uh against solar and I'm so very happy to see that the people the 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 people the, the people in florida saw through that and they were able to knock those measures down um because they realized that you know solar in a, in the sun side of the state is a is a good thing um so I think that was a, a wonderful occurrence but bottom line to this is that um this is a win win um, for everyone even those in the fossil fuel industry. Because uh, it's a win because we have to transition. It's a win because in the transition we can create a whole new more more green jobs um, and green opportunities and green entrepreneurs in the space. And it's a win because ultimately we are all this together. Um, there's no they like say there's no planet B, and so uh, that we can go to. Um, so because of that. Uh, the children of those, even those who are polluting, their children, these seems like the Rockefellers, will be on this planet years from now and will be dealing with the effects of the pollution. So we are also fighting for their children. They, they don't know. Their greed may kind of cloud them now, but we're also fighting for their children and their children's children uh, and their children's 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 future right now so they can have a sustainable planet and a world that, we, that they can live in um, and not and chaos before climate change.
1: Wow, yeah. So we are almost out of time, so if you don't mind staying with me a little bit longer, I want to, um, A, talk about what's going to happen in April, and then I want to make sure we have a little bit of time so people who want to get more engaged with y'all's work will know where they go. So tell us what's happening in April.
0: Well, April ninth. many people know um, we had the People's, uh, climate March a couple of years ago in New York City, and we're going to do that again. Uh, people Climate March, and probably the, probably to me one of the most important marches that anybody who's human, so everybody, <laughs> needs to be a part of. If you exactly. human, you qualify. You should come to this march in Washington D.C. April 29th. It's really really it's, it's, it's to me is probably a march in which we have to show that as as human beings uh, as people. Um, um, that we care about not only um, ourselves, the pollution, um, but also for the next generation. And so people are coming to Washington, D.C., and I would just encourage everybody to participate um, in that march. I know sometimes people say, march in. And, you know, this, this, this time, its numbers do matter. And in New York City a while back, they had almost a half million people, and I would hope that we, that we double that at least, that there's a million people. Um, in Washington, D.C., on, on April 29th uh, for the People's Comet March. And I would say that that's how, actually how what created, helped create for us People's Comet music, actually. Those athletes that march in New York and wanted to bring in the cultural side to this. So uh, if you actually go to our site uh, pretty soon, um, there'll be a lot of information there um, as well on the cultural side. But definitely, April 29th. Washington D.C. Please be there. Figure out how to get there. Tell your friends, your mom, cousin, uncles, whoever. But we need to have everybody um, in D.C. on the 29th of next year.
1: Great. Okay. So now you've you've segued perfectly into giving us the address for the website.
0: Yes, peoplesclimatemusic.com. Please go there. As a fact, we just toggled. Who was a part with Black Eyed Peas? He did a song for Standing Rock. there's a petition there right now. And I want to thank those who are fighting. I would be great for everybody to go there, sign that petition to thank those who are part of this A Rock like protest and to begin to continue this fight uh, again against these pipelines. Please go there. And one way to Hip Hop Caucus, you go to about So we're doing on other issues, from not just climate, but around democracy. You have to vote issues regarding police reform, accountability, all those other issues you can see there. And then for me, I'm on Twitter, and hit me up at Rev Yearwood, and I'm pretty responsive, so hit me up at Rev Yearwood, and we can continue this conversation.
1: Great. Thank you so much for your time. It's really been a pleasure, and I really, really am thrilled that your voice is part of the, 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 the conversation for environmental justice. We really appreciate your time.
0: No, thank you. All right, maybe it, we'll it, run into
1: each other With a million people in a
0: I Washington love it yeah, I can't wait
1: <laughs> Great Thanks so much Bye-bye Bye I apologize y'all I've been um, struggling with a, a a cold for about a week and um, But I really was honored That they've, uh, the Hip Hop Caucus Found me And wanted to have a conversation with us We certainly really appreciate uh, Reverend Woods' passion and commitment and his voice added with all the hip-hop. I mean, y'all go check it out. I mean, it's an impressive list, um, even though I don't, I mean, I really don't know most of them. So it's um, really cool to think that they are going to be um, moving forward and helping this conversation of environmental justice. And I think I think I'm gonna give Reverend Yearwood they should have like a, a contest to have a hip hop, you know, environmental song or something. I think that would be really cool. So anyway, thank you so much once again to Reverend Yearwood. Uh quickly, if you were listening to this on the um a pod at uh, the podcast on your um iPhone, would really appreciate a thumbs up and a review. That would really help us. Um one of the challenges of course that everybody has is getting Um, in front of more people, and when you vote positively for the podcast, then we have the opportunity to get in front of more people. So um, please do that. Also, remember, you can get all your environmental policy, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of environmental policy news and sustainable business news in the southeast U.S. at southeastgreen.com 24-7. We are signing out with Life of Peach by Jeff Hicks and the Heretics.